are with all of us back online and we are so glad that you have chosen to join us in this way. We are currently in a series leading us up to Christmas. If you've missed any of the previous sermons, they are available on the YouTube channel. We will be meeting here online well into January, so we do hope that you continue to log in at the service times. For now, let's worship together, let's learn together, but first, let's pray together. Thank you, Heavenly Father, that in these very unusual times, you remain the same. Things may change around us, but you are faithful and consistent. And you love us regardless of who we are and what we've done. And for that, we worship you. So it's Christmas next week and what we've been doing as a church is going through a very specific section in the book of Isaiah and Isaiah is helping us prepare for Christmas. You see, Isaiah was looking forward to the coming of Jesus, which is helping us look forward to Christmas next week. Now, I know that you know that presence is not the point of Christmas. I know it's a fun thing, but it's not the main thing. But for many of us, if we're honest, it's quite a big thing. So I'm sure that many of the conversations you've been having with your family are something along the lines of this. What do you want for Christmas? All right, and so maybe people have been asking you what you want for Christmas, and depending on who you are as a family, you either do it directly and you say, well, this is what I want for Christmas, or you need to drop subtle hints. So you're looking at your favorite thing on the laptop and you kind of leave it strategically open for your husband or your wife or your kids to accidentally see when they walk past so that they know what you want for Christmas. Now, I know that some of you are maybe still working with a good budget for Christmas presents, and some of you are working with a smaller budget, but nonetheless, we're all interested in what are we getting others for Christmas, and what are others going to get me, what do I want for Christmas? So what do you want for Christmas? But now, I'm going to take that question a little bit deeper, and I'm going to say, what do you really want for Christmas? If I had to take the presence idea off the table and I had to say, what is in the yearning of your heart? What do you truly, truly want for Christmas? Maybe some of you have lost a loved one and what you really want for Christmas above all things is to see this person one more time. Maybe you've been without work this year, and so what you really want for Christmas is meaning and purpose, and for your life to feel like it matters and it counts. Maybe some of you are feeling particularly lonely this season, or maybe relationships have been hard, and so if you are vulnerable and honest, what you really want for Christmas is a sense of being loved absolutely and fully loved and affirmed, warts and all. You see, when we stop asking, well, what do I really want for Christmas? And start saying, well, what do you really want? We're moving from wants to needs. And so as we've been looking at one verse in the book of Isaiah, I'm just going to come out in the front and I'm going to say that what this verse is going to teach us today is that Jesus is everything you really need. Jesus is everything you really need. All the 
deepest desires of your heart and the longings that you have, they are to be found in Him. So over the last few weeks, we've been looking at this verse in Isaiah, which is a verse of hope. But before this verse kind of falls into cliche in our minds, because we've heard this verse, we sing about this verse in our Christmas carols, you need to remember that Isaiah is prophesying that there are two big military superpowers that that are going to come in and crush Israel with violence. And so Israel is being prepared for a very, very difficult time. And if you were in that time, I'm sure you would begin to believe that God has abandoned you. And yet the other part of what Isaiah is trying to say is he is trying to say, listen, yes, hard times are coming. Violence and difficulty are coming, but there is hope. God has not given up on us. We're reading from Isaiah chapter 9, but just two chapters earlier, Isaiah prophesied that a king is going to be coming. But not any king, a king that is going to be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. So somehow, through all this difficulty, God is going to somehow institute a king that is his representative, that is going to right all of these wrongs. Another one of the verses that inspire hope in the people of Israel and for us today in 2020 is Isaiah 9 verses 6. And so I want to read it and we're going to be looking at it again further today. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Now, if you've missed any of our previous messages, we looked at the first part two weeks ago. Last week, Craig spoke about how Jesus is our wonderful counselor and he's a mighty God. And today we're going to be looking at how Jesus is our everlasting father and a prince of peace. So let's talk about how Jesus is our everlasting father. Now, when we hear that word father this Christmas season... Maybe we hear it with some mixed feelings. Maybe some of you hear that word with a sense of loss because the father you loved and the father who loved you is no longer here with you. Or maybe you hear that word father with a sense of regret because the father that you hoped to have was never fully there with you. You see, for some people, unfortunately, the word father doesn't always come with the connotations of strength and being present for you and loving you and affirming you. For too many people, the word father comes with the sense of my father being absent or aloof or preoccupied, or he's got plenty of energy for everybody else and everything else, but not for me. And yet God's desire this Christmas and at all times is that you and I, every single one of us, experiences fully what it means to have a perfect, present, loving Father. So Isaiah is saying in this verse that this king, Emmanuel, is coming. And he's going to perform many roles. He's going to be a wonderful counselor, a mighty God. And this king is going to be an everlasting father. 
So now, as a Christian, maybe you know, well, we're talking about Jesus who was to come 700 years after this for us 2,000 years ago. But we know Jesus as the Son. All right, isn't the Son the Son of a Father? And isn't God the Father? So how is Jesus the Father, right? How can we call him everlasting Father? Is Isaiah confused? Well, here's the thing. Isaiah isn't confused. Here's what he's saying. He's not saying that Jesus is the Father. What he is saying is that this King is going to come and he's going to perform many roles in our lives. And we know that we can relate to Jesus as a friend. We also know that we can relate to Jesus as a counselor and a comforter. We also know that we can relate to Jesus as a King and as Lord and as Savior. But one of the ways that Jesus the King relates to us is in a fatherly manner. In fact, when Jesus came, he actually alluded to this mostly in the Gospel of John. In John 14, verses 9 to 10, Jesus says this, Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Now, if you've been tracking with this verse, your mind should be bursting at the seams right now because we don't fully understand this, right? But somehow Jesus, on one hand, can talk about the fact that I and the Father are not the same person, all right? There is a difference between me and the Father, and yet on the other hand, Jesus can say, but I and the Father are one. If you've seen me, you have seen the Father. Now, don't ask me exactly how that works. This is a little bit beyond our understanding, but we know it to be fully true. This is why Jesus says a few verses later in John 14, verses 16, that no one can come to the Father except through me. In other words, if we truly want to know the Father, we need to know Jesus. We grow in our knowledge of the Father through our knowledge of Jesus himself. And so this means, again, that one of the things that God wants for you is to be fully fathered. For you to know Jesus in such a way that you experience all the incredible, perfect benefits of having a perfect father in our lives. And so maybe you never felt affirmed by your father. Well, Jesus affirms you by saying, you are so valuable that I will come into your world and I will give up my life for you. Or maybe you feel like you weren't encouraged by your father. Well, Jesus encourages you by becoming your comforter and your counselor. Maybe you feel like your father wasn't present. Well, Jesus says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Maybe you feel like your father wasn't gentle. Well, Jesus says, I am gentle and humble of heart. Maybe you feel like your father was passive and he wasn't strong. Well, Jesus says, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me and I face down sin and death and hell and Satan, your enemies, and I am victorious. 
You see, at Jesus, we are tempted to see only a baby, but that baby grew up. That baby demonstrated the kingdom of God. That baby climbed into a cross and died for our sins. That baby defeated death. That baby rose from the dead and sat down at the right hand of God in heaven. So at Christmas, we don't only get a baby, we get a king. And in that king, we get an everlasting father. And so my prayer is that this is so much more than just a juicy piece of knowledge. My prayer is that you are able to approach the living Jesus and that you are able to experience him this Christmas as an everlasting father and that you'll be able to receive the true gift of what that really means because Jesus is everything you need. All right, so we've looked at Jesus, the everlasting father. Let's look at Jesus, the prince of peace. Now, Craig touched on this last week where God brings peace into our lives. But if I were live with you, right, and you were here in this room with me, I would ask you to raise your hand in response to this question. And the question is this, how many of you would love more peace this Christmas? All right, you got a little gift on Christmas Day, you open it up and out came a whole bunch of peace. All right, peace in your marriage or peace in your family or, or peace in your town or peace in your city, peace in your country, peace in your world, just more peace. How many of you want that? Well, I would be raising my hand, right? I mean, wouldn't that be so great to wake up on Christmas Day and, and all the problems out there just magically go away? Here's the problem with that. I, I believe that we have come to believe that we can only have peace and that we can only be at peace when all of the problems disappear. But here's the problem with that. I was reading an article published in New York Times that said out of the past 3,400 years, so 3,400 years, humans have only been at peace for 268 of them. Do you know that over 108 million people were killed in wars in the 20th century alone? Estimates differ, but people go from 150 million to a billion people have been killed from war in human history. Now, that's just war robbing our peace. That's before we talk about some of the economic instabilities that rob our peace or political instabilities that rob our peace, both of which most people in the world are experiencing right now. That's because before we talk about pandemics and the coronavirus that come along and rob our peace. That's before we even talk about some of the things in our personal lives that rob our peace. Relational difficulties, difficulties in families, cars breaking down, geezers bursting and flooding our rooms, right? And all of this is to say that if you're waiting for all of these things to stop so that you can have five minutes of peace, and so that you can have a sense of having a chilled Christmas, you're going to be waiting a very long time. So that's your one option. Your other option is to realize, as Craig said, and reminded us where Jesus says, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Where we recognize that God can give me a peace. God can give me a peace. 
within the difficulties of this world, within the challenges that I'm experiencing right now, God can give me His peace. Now, the first thing we need to know about this peace is that Jesus gives us peace with God. Jesus gives us peace with God. Now, if we were to maybe just get a bit real for a second, I'm sure that many of you hear that. Many of you know that something in you should be saying, yes, amen, peace with God. But at a real life level, I'm sure many of us are kind of like, yeah, 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 peace with God. What I really want is peace at home. (laughs) What I really want is peace in my nation. I think we kind of begin to believe that peace with God is this thing out there that doesn't really affect my life. And so, yes, one day I'm going to heaven because blah, 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 I've got peace with God. But right now I want peace here now. What we need to know is that peace with God is not the secondary thing that is added on to all the other peace that we may experience. But rather, peace with everything else comes out of having peace with God. Listen to what Paul says in Colossians 1, verses 19 to 20. He says, For God was pleased to have all His fullness dwell in Him, that's in Jesus, and through Him to reconcile, that word reconcile, the bringing together of hostile enemies, to reconcile to Himself, All things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, how does he do this? By making peace through his blood shed on the cross. You see, I believe that the very reason that we see all the evil and the pain and the suffering around us is because people aren't at peace with God. But we know a time is coming When the king will return, we know that on the cross he has already defeated the powers of evil and pain and death and suffering. But the time will come when the king returns and not only has he defeated them, but he will eliminate them so that all things, this entire universe, this entire cosmos, humans included at the center of the story, can experience a reconciled peace with God. And when that time comes, there will be no pain, and there will be no difficulty, and there will be no suffering. But until then, until then, while we live in this broken, deformed world, God still wants to give you His peace. Listen to how this peace is described in Philippians 4, verses 7. It's described as the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. This peace will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. I love this promise. It's a peace from God that surpasses my understanding. This is a supernatural peace that when people look at your life, And when people look at the circumstances that are robbing your peace, and yet you demonstrate a a supernatural peace, that is the kind of peace that God wants for you. It transcends understanding. But this peace also does something to you. It guards your mind in Christ Jesus. It, it, It guards your heart in Christ Jesus. It guards your emotions. It guards where your emotions go in times of difficulty. And it guards your thoughts It guards the fact that you're always going to go to worst-case scenarios. God wants to protect your heart. He wants to protect your mind with the very peace that He gives that transcends understanding. 
And then when we have this peace from God, we get to bring that peace into our challenging circumstances. So this Christmas, here's what I can't promise you. I can't promise you that as a result of the fact that Jesus is the Prince of Peace, that as a consequence of this sermon, I can't promise you that you're going to wake up and that everything's going to be okay on Sunday, but what I, on Christmas Day, but what I can promise you is that if we grow in this peace, God can bless you with this peace. Maybe the peace doesn't change your circumstances, but it changes you in your circumstances. And I believe that is so powerful. So how can we access this peace? Well, I want to give you three practical points. We're going to take off something, we're going to take on something, and we're going to walk with someone. We're going to take off something, take on something, and walk with someone. So what are we going to take off? Well, 1 Peter 5, 7 says, Cast all your anxiety upon him because he cares for you. So we're going to take off our anxieties. Now, I believe like with so much of our Christian life, this is so much more than going, yes, Lord, amen, in a message like this. But this is a daily posture where at a daily level I wake up and I recognize the things that are robbing my peace. I recognize some of the financial struggles I'm experiencing, some of the relational struggles I'm experiencing, some of the fears I have with regards to the economy or the coronavirus or whatever it is. And I actually have the courage to name those things, to recognize what it is that I'm going to hand over to Jesus. And then because Jesus cares for me, because he is the Prince of Peace, because he's the mighty God and the wonderful counselor, I take these things and I put them on him. What I, I literally do this when I'm alone. I literally do this. I identify these things and I just say, Jesus, I'm giving them to you. Jesus, I'm putting them on you. I'm putting them on the cross. And maybe you say, that's not fair. These are my burdens to bear. Well, why do you think Jesus came? He didn't just come to get you into heaven. He came to bear your burdens. And so cast them onto the one who can handle them. So that's what we're going to take off. Then what are we going to do? We're going to take on God's peace. James 4 verses 2 says, You do not have because you do not ask. I believe we need to actively in faith ask God for his peace. Now this verse, you do not have because you do not ask God, isn't a blank check to ask God for everything you want. But I am convinced that it is a blank check to ask God for everything He wants to give you. And so the more we understand God's will for our lives, we get to boldly ask for those things, and one of them is His peace. Now, my encouragement is don't start with this verse. Don't start with asking for peace. Start with casting your burdens onto Jesus. Start with recognizing those things that are robbing your peace and hand them over to Him, emptying yourself of the burden of responsibility, trusting Jesus, the mighty God. And then, once we've done that, now, Lord, fill me with your peace. And so that's what we're going to take on. And then finally, we're going to walk with, we're going to walk with the God of peace. Philippians 4 verses 9 says, And the God of peace will be with you. You've heard me say this so many times, but it is that important that I'm happy to repeat it until we get it. That when God gives us things, the way he does that is by giving, him, giving us himself. 
He's not up there and interested in just handing out peace. No, He is the God of peace. He is the Prince of peace. And so the way we get peace with God is by walking with the Prince of peace. Have you ever been in a situation where you're losing your mind and you're anxious, but there's somebody with you who is a non-anxious presence, and they're just such a blessing to you. And because they're there with you, you're able to change how you're thinking. You're able to relax. You're able to experience perspective and peace because of them being there with you. And that's what God wants to do for you, but at a much higher level. You see, maybe right now you are losing your mind. Maybe right now you are experiencing anxiety for so many reasons. But we get to walk with the God of peace. Where the God of peace enters our situation, we've taken off our anxieties. We've taken on His peace by asking, and now we walk with Him. We walk with the one who is not anxious who's not perturbed. We walk with the one who knows the future. We walk with the one who knows us. We walk with the one who loves us above all things. Early on in this message, I asked you, what do you want for Christmas? And then I said, but what do you really want? And then I said that Jesus is everything you need. And as I look at this passage, I'm absolutely convinced of that. And I hope you are too. Because maybe what you need is an everlasting father. Maybe what you need is to experience the full benefits of being fathered by the perfectly present, loving, affirming God. And I I want to pray that for you in a second. But maybe what you need is the Prince of Peace. Maybe you are so perturbed right now and so anxious. You can't see the wood for the trees. And, and so what I'm going to pray is that you are able to take on, sorry, take off your burdens. You're able to take on God's peace. You're able to walk with Him. Or maybe you need the everlasting Father and the Prince of Peace. I know I do. So let me pray that for you. Father, we thank you that your presence invades our circumstances. And while this year has been very difficult for so many, and maybe this Christmas, maybe for many people, one of the most difficult Christmases they've experienced. We thank you that Christmas tells us that a child entered our situation, but he grew up to be a king, and he grew up to be our everlasting father, and he grew up to be our Prince of Peace. And so I pray right now that God, I know that you know our needs more than we know our needs ourselves. I pray that you would make us aware of our needs. That we recognize that we can come to you with a giant ask, but we get to ask in faith and in confidence. And Father, I pray that as we look at the everlasting Father this Christmas, that we would be fathered. That we would know we are being fathered. That we would be saturated with your love and your presence, and your affirmation. I also pray that we would know the Prince of Peace. Right now, Jesus, you said you do not give peace as the world gives. You give in abundance. Worldly peace is short-lived and is imperfect. Your peace is eternal and is perfect. So Father, I pray that you might aid us 
and that your Holy Spirit would aid us as we come to you on a daily level, casting our burdens onto you, asking you for your peace and walking with the God of peace. We pray all of these things in your name. Amen.